Hello and welcome to episode Tyler Ennis of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your co-host Colin Cudmore, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host uh, Trevor Shackles. We're coming up on nearly two weeks without hockey now, and we're both feeling a bit of the withdrawal, so we're still trying to come up with ways to talk about it. Um, hopefully you enjoyed our kind of unique episode from last week, but uh, this time around, we've flipped the episode over to you. So Trevor asked you on Twitter a couple of days ago to send us your trade proposals for the Sens, and uh, I guess now in a bit of a personal hell for me, we're going to go and grade them and go through <laughs> all of them. So uh, Trevor, before we begin, um, how are you feeling about this idea that... Uh, now that you've seen the submissions. Well, you know, Colin, I thought it was going to be a pretty interesting exercise just to see what people would submit. And, you know, I think I'm right on that. Doesn't necessarily mean the trade proposals were any good. No offense to all of you. Um, I just think that means probably most of us, if not all of us, would not make good general managers. Um, I think a lot of the times it was um, probably he heavily favored towards the senators in, in some of these trades. But I do think it's pretty interesting to talk about. Um, I know you kind of fall into the opposite category for that, Colin. But, um, you know, anything for the listeners uh, during this tough time, we'll, we'll have to kind of think outside the box. So, um, yeah, should be should be quite a different episode today. Yeah, and it's just a fair warning to everybody. Like, trade proposal Twitter is probably my least favorite part of Twitter, right up there with Jersey Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's no offense to Trevor again for that. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, if, if I'm just growing through Cat Friendly's trade proposals, and I, 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 I remember posting some a few years ago just roasting trade proposals, and, and uh, I'll try and withhold myself now, but if I end up roasting you, um, my apologies, but uh, you probably deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so... Okay, I'll, I'll let you sort of vent a bit um, about one specific player from these things. So, yeah, I, I tweeted out a few days ago to ask for people to give me some trade um, trade proposals, and they didn't necessarily have to involve the Senators, although I'm pretty sure all of them did. Uh, and one thing I kept noticing is that Logan Brown was in probably about 80% of them. Um, do you want to just touch on that? Okay. So I don't understand this, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll just want to point out that we got our own trade proposals at the end too, which you can grade at the end of this episode to see for us. But I mean, I, I noticed there's a lot of Logan Brown trade proposals out there, and right off the bat, if we're grading them, F, 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 <laughs> all around to all of you, all of you. No, I, I, <laughs> um, I, I don't know why, why, why Logan Brown was appealing to so many of these, and uh, I don't know. It, it kind of really got on my nerves pretty quickly, just because. Um, he just turned 22. He's still a good prospect, a great prospect even. And I mean, I know Josh Norris had a great season too, so it may seem kind of redundant to have two great center prospects, but like that's like the perfect problem to have. Like, and even then, like these guys have barely proven themselves in the NHL either. So I, I don't know. I, I don't see why people are giving up on Logan Brown so quickly. Um, he's an incredible playmaker. Um, his skating is, uh, to me at least, I, I think has come a fair ways at least since he's, he's turned pro i mean it's the second season turning pro um and you just look at how he's done in the ahl too uh last year 42 points in 56 games in his rookie pro year and that was surrounded by far less talent than, than belleville had uh this year uh belleville was definitely not as good a team last year and then he upped it this year with 28 points in 25 games so he's getting better too and uh I mean, 25 games in the AHL, I mean, this year wasn't a lot, but a lot of that was because he had his uh, NHL call-up too, which was, 
I gotta say, he did a pretty amazing job. I mean, you look at um, his results on the ice. Um, Micah McCurdy, his model, um, which measure, measures threat, both offensive and defensive. Um, the Suns had uh, 8% better offensive threat when Logan Brown was on the ice and 6 6% better defensive threat when he was on the ice too. So th it's he was a positive contributor at both ends of the ice this season. Um, even Evolving Wild, um, shout out to them as well. Uh, their wins above replacement model had Logan Brown as one of the top three sends that are at least among players who are still on the team. He was one of the sends top three players last year in, in wins above replacement. And he only played 23 games with the sends last year. And maybe that says something about how bad the sends were last year, that he was one of their uh, top players by their model. But uh, I, I mean, I just don't see any reason why we should be giving up on him at this point. Um the one caveat maybe I'll say is that he has had some injury trouble um, this year and last year and all through junior as well. But I, honestly, I'd, I'm not worried about it. He, whenever he's come back, even this year when he came back, he took on that first line center role in Belleville uh, before Josh Norris had his explosion, and he was on fire. I mean, he was playing like a top line center in a in a professional men's league. So um, I, I, I even think of guys like uh, it was Joe Valeno. Am I, am I th yeah, it's, it's, it was Valeno, right, on, on on L.A., who missed a full year and came no, back. Uh, and is now Velarde, that's it. Same, it's a different V prospect, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Dave Velarde on, on, on L.A., who missed a full year and came back and has, has been playing well. I was, I was actually fortunate enough to be there when he scored his first NHL goal, which is pretty cool. But, um, yeah, I, I don't see the trouble with him. I just want to get that off my chest quickly uh, because uh, I'm going to give out a lot of Fs this episode, and a lot of them are going to be to... Uh, all of y'all who included Logan Brown in the trades for um, seemingly, at least to me, what, what was very little. So um, anything else you want to add to that? I know I kind of... Yeah, and I, I agree there. with a lot of what you're saying there. Um, I think to play a bit of devil's advocate and just sort of just try to get in the mindset of, of some of these people who are going to be wanting to trade Brown, I would say most of those probably, people probably think that... Um, I don't know. I could see people thinking that perhaps Ottawa isn't going to utilize him properly. And I do worry a bit about that um, from DJ Smith. Like, I, I'm i not totally sure that he's going to flourish in Ottawa, even if he is actually putting up good results. Um, and I think some people are also probably banking on the fact that maybe Ottawa can get someone like Quinton Byfield or Melko Rossi. But at the same time, like, it's, it's not a guarantee that all three of those prospects, including Norris, would pan out. And even if they did, it wouldn't be a bad thing to have a guy like Logan Brown on the third line. So I think some people are sort of looking at him as expendable, which I wouldn't totally say. Um, but yeah, I do agree for the most part that I think people are kind of underrating him a bit. Totally. And uh, I'm not going to give away too much because uh, our series is just starting over at Silver 7 Sentence, but we're doing the Prospect Awards this year. And uh, and for the most disappointing prospect, um, I mean, Brown got more votes than I thought he would. So I think that kind of really? speaks to how the fan base uh, is looking at, at Logan Brown right now. And I don't know. I just kind of heavily just disagree with that. And it, maybe it's just because he's been injured a lot. But uh, yeah, um, I, I guess um, he, he still just has that high-end offensive ability. And I mean, even this year defensively, he wasn't that bad either. So I, I just don't really see what it is. And, and I guess to your point about maybe the Suns are going to not use him properly. I still have to disagree with that too, because it seems like like they, they picked him 11th overall. Um, and it, to me, it seems like they're going to try and give him every opportunity to succeed. 
and that maybe that's from Dorian trying to make himself look good. But I mean, it's he's also just that 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 big player who, who I don't know. He, he just seems like coach's candy with with his, with his profile at this point. Maybe maybe he isn't physical but, enough, but they, yeah. They, they've, but we've also heard a lot about though about his quote unquote like effort or um you know just his. I don't know what what word I'm looking for, but a lot of people seem to think that he doesn't care enough, which, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. I feel like that's just sort of something that um, people grab onto and sort of run with that. But I could see that being a problem, whether it actually is in reality or not. Yeah, and, and I guess my gripe with how they used him in his call-up this year was they didn't give him enough power play time. And I hope that going forward, they start doing that a lot more because, of course, that's how he made his name in junior hockey as, as a as an 11th overall pick was a, a power play specialist mm-hmm. who's who's also happens to be six foot six but uh um yeah i i don't know i i don't think it's worth giving up on brown right now um and wait at least a couple more years until we can see what what he, if, if 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 they call him up to the nhl next year i expect him to be a full-time nhl next year i think he's he's good enough to do that and yeah. uh, i mean the the sense have the spots open too given all the trades they've made too so um, I mean, is is his is his spots for the taking next year? So, giving up on him in this off season seems like a a, a massively wasted opportunity at this point. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, we'll, we can get into the trades after this. But I just one last note. I think it would be worth trading him as long as you know they're getting a proven, legitimate top six forward or top four defenseman. But um, that seems unlikely. So. Um, yeah, do you want to get to these trades then? Sure. Uh, do you want to enamor me with the first one? I, I'm just looking sure. through them here. Okay, so one. this one this one is a lot smaller in scale. Um, Tom, he, he gave a few here, um, but he says a fourth-round pick, brackets third, for Josh Hosang, um, and then he was also asking why he wasn't in the Peugeot trade. So a, a, either a fourth or a third for Josh Hosang, what do you think? A fourth or a third for Josh Hosang. I'm going to give that a C, and <laughs> may, may, maybe even a C plus. And that's because I guess I'm a Hosang fan. But uh, uh, at the same time, like a, a third or fourth round pick, I feel like that's that's kind of what the Sens are kind of going for at this point. Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, I guess it seems like fair value. Um, maybe I don't know. Hosang is is 24 at this point, so the fact that he hasn't been able to do to explode in the AHL at this point or, or in the NHL kind of is a bit concerning to me, even though, I mean, I, de- I definitely do have some trust in his skill set. Um, but at the same time, I, I kind of just rather just have the sentence make that pick at this point and just try and load up on prospects for, uh, for the future because the 24 year old at this point, isn't going to be um, as crucial to the sense rebuild, I guess, as, as, as the prospects, but maybe, maybe I'm overvaluing those, those picks at this point. I don't know. Do, do you think, you would make that trade at this point? I mean, I don't, I don't see the harm in trading for a guy who has the upside that Hosang has. Like, yeah, he's he's 24 at this point, but he has done decently well in the AHL. And, you know, he hasn't exploded, like you said. But, you know, you look at his first two stints um, in New York in 16-17 and 17-18. In those two seasons, he had, uh, what is it? 22 points in 43 games, which, you know, is pretty good considering I don't think he was getting a ton of ice time. So, um, yeah, I, you know, they, they did this similar thing with Nikita Filatov around, what was that, 2011, I think. And obviously that didn't work out, but they only gave up a third. It wasn't the end of the world. 
For sure. And uh, I mean, I, I just brought up, uh, I'm going to probably reference this a whole bunch in this episode, but Micah McCurdy's uh, uh, isolated impact model. And, and it's it's pretty amazing how, how highly valued Hosang is. But of course, this is a bit of a small sample size here, but uh, plus 11 on the offensive side and minus 15 on the defensive side. But keep in mind that minus <laughs> is... is it, minus on the defensive side is a good thing. It means that they're giving up less yeah. shots. So, uh, but yeah, mind you, this is only in 53 games, and he didn't play in the NHL at all this season, and played 10 games last year. So maybe a bit of a sample size increase would be would be helpful in this. But at the same time, from what we're seeing, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll bump up my grade to a B. I'll bump up my grade to a B. How would you grade this trade? Uh I I would say B plus. I you know I think I think that's pretty realistic i don't think he has much value around the league so uh he was on waivers true. actually so if, if anything it might even cost less yeah very true yeah. hey we got a good trade we got a good trade yeah, proposal there we go good job tom <laughs> good, 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 good thank you so much tom um good to start this on a bit more of a positive note but shall we get to yeah. the next one yeah right. you want to take it sure uh this one's uh it involves Logan brown but it's a bit of a different angle this one comes from uh tate frazier on twitter uh, his trade proposal is uh, with the Florida Panthers uh, trading Logan Brown, uh, Christian Yaros, uh, and the New York Islanders first round pick, So, which is we're expecting probably maybe 15th to 20th around there, and a 2020 second round pick for Aaron Ekblad. And he gives this explanation here too. Florida needs to cut, uh, uh, Florida needs to cut a Bobrovsky worth of salary, and the Sens need a long-term right shot defenseman with Shabbat. Uh, big price tag, but the Sens have the assets to make that splash now. Uh, any thoughts on this proposal? Maybe getting Ekblad in a Sens uniform? Yeah, so it, this is a, definitely an intriguing proposal. I I can see where he's coming from with his rationale. You know, Ekblad's only 24. He, you know, he'd be a good player to have. I think he's a bit overrated by some people. Um, like, I wouldn't... You know, I wouldn't call him like an elite defenseman or anything, but he's obviously good enough to be on your first or second pairing. Um, and, you know, he, he's true. Uh, he's correct in his um, assessment about Florida wanting to, you know, cut some payroll. So that could definitely play a factor. But at the same time, I don't know if Florida would do this. I don't think that's enough for them. Um, and at the same time, I don't know if Ottawa would do this because it's it's also sort of a lot because, um, you know, they're giving up a potential top six center. That's a high pick to give up. And, you know, Ekblad's a great player, but he's not going to be really that impactful and useful for Ottawa for another couple seasons. So I could honestly see both sides saying no to this. Um, what do you think? Yeah. I, I just think of this in, in the whole context of what, of what the Suns are doing right now. And, I, I just don't really see Ekblad really fitting that at this point, um, especially mm -hmm. with, with, with the, the young players that are going to be coming in next year. I think that really the issue, the whole rebuild should be centered around this draft and the players they drafted in the past couple of years. Um, and I guess Ekblad, I mean, he's 24, but I, as well, you, you, you talk about his value around the league as well. He, he has that pedigree of a first overall pick. So I feel like inherently that the, the when you talk, if the Panthers are trying to trade Ekblad, whatever they're going to get is probably going to be an overpay. So I feel like maybe he's not that player to look look to try and target for the Sens. And then also just looking at what the Sens are giving up, that, that first round pick and second round pick this year, that's going to be, to me, to me, I feel like those two picks are more valuable to the Sens in what they're trying to do 
and what Ekblad is going to provide. And then add on Logan Brown on top of that and Christian Yaros. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just feel like all those pieces, maybe maybe minus Yaros, or yeah, minus Yaros, but Logan Brown in that those two picks are probably going to be... Um, those are the types of assets that Ottawa should be hanging on to and, and building around for, for the next while. And uh, while it's true that the Sens definitely need uh, a top right shot defenseman, um, I don't feel that uh, maybe Ekbod is probably not that guy right now. And also just looking at this salary-wise as well, Ekbod's making a cap of $7.5 and, million, and uh, I don't know. It, are the Sens going to really target a $7.5 million player? Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it's definitely, you know, I, I love these those kinds of proposals um but yeah i don't think it would happen in real life i'd probably give this trade like a c or something but like an a in terms of entertainment and thinking about it totally good good effort tate uh i yeah. I, I wouldn't i wouldn't pull i wouldn't pull the trigger on this one right now but uh going for ekblad why not i mean yeah it's, it's a cool idea um let's go for another smaller one uh this one comes in from jofa nine he says Schlappick and a third rounder for Hamannick or Colin Miller. Although, is Hamannick a UFA now that I'm thinking about it? Let's Looks look like we're going to do some Googling here. Travis Hamannick. We are a professional podcast. Yes, he is yes, a UFA. He is a UFA. So <laughs> let's just say for Colin Miller then. Schlappick and a third for Colin Miller. What do you say? Um, see this, I, I kind of think of this in, in the same realm as the Ekblad trade, even though the, even though it's on a much smaller scale, I just think of what the Sens need to be doing in terms of, of, of planning and terms of actually rebuilding. I don't feel that, um, Tolan Miller is the type of player that they, that they really need to target at this point, even though you can count me as a, as a fan of Colin Miller. I, I feel like he's underrated around the league for the most part. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I I'm a I'm a firm believer in Schlappick. I know he's he, he's probably one of Ottawa's best defensive players right now, and especially with Pajot gone, I feel like he'll be able to fill in that that uh, um, that good defensive penalty killer role on the Sens. So, and again, that third round pick as well. The Sens, I'm I'm just want the Sens to hoard as many picks at this point. So, um, sure, Colin Miller w- w- would would help shore up that right side a bit for in the short term. But that's not what Sens are. That's not what the Suns need to do right now, and they need to be keeping those picks, keeping guys like Schlapp picks, so that they can have as much depth as possible to, when they end up uh, having a competitive roster in in the future. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's not for me at this point. But uh, like uh, in in terms of value, I could see it working out. But in just terms of like mm-hmm. actual scenarios, I just don't really see how this is something the Suns need to be doing right now. I mean, if anything, I think they could get him for less. Um... Miller was traded for a second and a fifth last summer, but I feel like his value has dropped a bit. So maybe they could just get him uh, just for that third round pick. So who knows? Um, But yeah, like you said, he might not be a guy that they would want to target as much as I like him as well. Um, But yeah, do you want to take the next one? Sure. Uh, This one. Um, I feel like it's maybe been roasted on Twitter enough already, but I'll, I'll let you talk <laughs> about this one a bit. Uh, this one comes from from Bloody Vendetta on Twitter. Oh, no. uh, Ottawa's Ottawa's second overall, oh second overall pick, assuming they get the second overall, uh, the seventeenth pick from the Isles, Islanders pick, the thirty second overall pick, and the fiftieth overall pick, and Logan Brown, <laughs> and Chris Tierney for Detroit's first overall pick. Um, no. <laughs> so just to recap that's for moving up one spot so you're essentially okay ottawa's getting lafreniere but they're giving up 
Quinton Byfield, whoever the 17th is, whoever the 32nd is, whoever the 50th is, Brown and Tierney, just to essentially move up instead of getting a Byfield to get Lafreniere. I'm going to say a hard no. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's going to be the F. first F. First F yeah. of, the, F of this, uh, this podcast. Sorry. Sorry, Body Vendetta. I know you've been kind of roast on Twitter a bit for this, so we'll, we'll let it slide here. But uh, yeah, that's a hard no from both of us. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. There's a bunch in here. There's definitely a lot of overlap with some of them. Um, Lots of Logan Brown. Yeah. Yeah. How about let, let's go back to another Ekblad one. Um, Stefano Napolitano. Um, he says, actually, he gives us two, so we can go over the first one first. Um, he says, Something like Tierney, the 33rd overall, uh, a 2021 second for Jesse Pugliarvi, and the 20th overall. What do you think? I'm intrigued, and I feel like Pugliarvi would 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 be kind of cool to target. Um, could, could you could, do you mind just repeating that? Actually, yeah. So, uh, Chris Tierney, their 33rd overall pick this year, plus their 2021st second round pick. So it's Tierney in two seconds for Pugliarvi and the Oilers first this year, which is around 20th. Yo, I, I'm down with that because uh, it capitalizes on some of Chris Tierney's trade value yeah. um, and, and get some uh, Jesse Pugliarvi. Um, do, do you feel like the Edmonton Oilers would do something like this? Uh, I feel like it's also pretty realistic too because... You know, uh, they might. They because, might. Uh, because yeah i mean is definitely on the trade market right now um i don't know what his plan is for next year but he had an amazing year in finland this year and we know that he's still definitely an elite prospect i mean he's picked fourth overall and he was there for good reason and i still think he has that great offensive skill set but um yeah i mean some may look at his numbers in edmonton and, and say that well no he, he's 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 kind of flopped in edmonton already he's he's a bit of a bust but i mean edmonton being the kind of incompetent organization that they are i mean they, they definitely uh um kind of messed around with this development a bit too much and didn't really uh give him the time that he needed needed to actually become uh uh like a to to give him that confidence and to put him in, in the proper roles and 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 go through that whole development phase with him so uh, you know mm-hmm. what i'm down with it i'm giving this trade an a i didn't think i'd be doing this on this <laughs> podcast but hey good yeah. job St- St- stefano a plus yeah a plus stefano, effort you know and you get an a yeah because yeah, round the, of applause. The thing is, though, too, the Oilers all along have wanted a guy, like at least a top nine forward in return for Pugliarvi, and Tierney kind of fits that mold. Like, he could maybe sometimes be on their second line, but mostly on the third. Um, and then, sure, they got to give it the 20th, but they also get two second rounders. So, I mean, is it crazy to say, if anything, Ottawa could ask for maybe even slightly more in this deal? I mean, maybe. Uh, I, I mean, I, I feel like this would, at least, at least in the context of what we're talking about here, I mean, I feel like it would be probably a good thing to talk about or a, a good trade proposal. But I, I mean, that's the whole thing with with doing these mock trade proposals too, is that it kind of lacks a lot to the nuance of actually negotiating these deals and and what would actually what it might actually take to make it happen. I mean, um. The, the whole point of these is that it's balanced and both teams get what they want but in reality i mean most most times one team comes ahead just because they're negotiating better too so if the sense can negotiate for more then by all means go for it and at least if we're talking about edmonton i feel like 
uh, maybe they're one of the few teams where I have a fair amount of confidence that the Suns could actually come out ahead <laughs> in that kind of trade too. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it. Let's uh, let's fleece Edmonton some more. I'm I'm uh, all for it. Yeah, I'll, I'll give that trade like a solid A minus. I, I think that's a good one. All right, uh, let's move on to one more trade. This one is this one's actually this one's very similar, but uh, this one comes from from Alex uh, Alex M on Twitter. Um, I think he has a couple here, but this one's very similar. So we'll just talk about this one quickly. Uh, he's also talking about some kind of package for Pooley RV, maybe involving Logan Brown. Uh, his va- his value seems to be down among Suns fans, so maybe you don't trade him right now. But if it was say Brown and some kind of pick for Pooley RV, do you do that, or does Pooley RV's lack of production versus Brown's in the AHL uh, stop that? And I'll just comment on this one quickly to uh, just uh, um, because we kind of talked about Logan Brown already. But I feel like if we're going for Jesse Pooley RV. Um, this is this is why I prefer the previous trade proposal from Stefano with someone like Chris Tierney because Tierney is not someone who's going to be valuable to the Sens in two years' time, whereas Logan Brown definitely definitely will be. So, mm-hmm. um, and and same thing with Edmonton as well. I feel like someone like Chris Tierney is going to be there to help them if they want to make a playoff push right now. And uh, and uh, of course, Puyarvi is not going to be helping that, and neither is Logan Brown. So, if you're doing Logan Brown for Puyarvi, it's just going to be kind of swapping two players that I don't know it. it neither team's going to really be benefiting their situation from that all that much so um yeah i, I it just reinforced to me that tyranny for puliarvi that's something i would definitely target so yeah i wouldn't really want to be trading for puliarvi if it meant giving up someone that could potentially be you know very good for the senators for a long time and you know obviously the oilers are going to want that but they don't have much leverage, and I don't think there's any point in giving up someone like Brown when you can probably get him for less. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, totally agree on that. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go to another one here. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise, involving Logan Brown. Um, this one's from Justin Fisher. He says, Brown, Schloppick, and one or two second rounders slash the Islanders first. So I, I don't exactly know what specifically that would mean so a couple picks let's say for kyle turris and matthias ekholm um this this falls under the same category as the ekblad trade and the colin miller trade for me i i mean it, it's just a matter of uh, i know ekholm is a great player i mean he's he's great on nashville's defense core but like what what's what's he going to provide for the sense that's going to fall into into the rebuild that uh that's going to be valuable to them and, and yeah, I, I just have a hard time believing that he's going to be more valuable to the Sens' competitive window than Logan Brown and Schlappick and whatever those those picks are going to provide to. It's it's really just a matter of the Sens need to stick to their plan. They don't need to try and accelerate what they're going what they have right now because they have they're in a position to succeed in the future as long as they can use their picks wisely and and develop the prospects well. They are in a position to have a good competitive window for a while. So it's not we. Trying to accelerate that isn't going to accomplish anything at this point, and bringing in Ekholm and and Turris, as much as as I have a soft spot in my heart for Kyle Turris, um, yeah, it, it's just not something that they need to be doing right now. He's a sunk cost right now. His contract. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A- any other thoughts any, or, or? I mean, Matthias Ekholm is obviously incredibly good, but he's also twenty nine. I mean, I don't think there's any point in trading for a guy who's going to be in his early thirties by the time um the senators are actually going to be good so um yeah that's an awful lot to give up for two veterans yeah and uh surprisingly that was not the only 
proposal for Kyle Terrace. We have another one, another one <laughs> from Tom. Um, this one is uh, um, trading Connor Brown and a second round pick to Nashville for Kyle Terrace um, and Dante Fabro. Um, and any, any thoughts on this one? Maybe is it any different a scenario? Interesting. Wait, so I didn't see this one. Wait, so can you say it again? Uh, so the Sens trade to Nashville Connor Brown and a second round pick for Kyle Turris and Dante Fabro. Hmm. Um, I mean, that's interesting. I've definitely been a fan of Fabro. Um, I know he hasn't had the greatest season, though. Um, huh. That's, that's kind of interesting, although I think having to take on Turris's contract just kind of ruins that because Ottawa's not going to be able to pay that. That's, you know six million dollars a year and I, I could honestly see the predators trying to do something like that just to shed some salary but it doesn't really make a ton of sense even if you're getting Fabro in that deal yeah i i i would be less opposed to this one as as the previous trade because of course you're getting dante Fabro back in there and also because the sends are including connor brown who i feel like in a, in a similar position to chris tierney in that it's, it's a player that still has some value out there um, that could get the sense that won't be useful to the Sens in a few years, but could fetch someone who could be useful to the Sens in a few years. And maybe Fabro is that player. And uh, I mean, Taurus is a salary dump. I mean, sure. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it wouldn't be opposed to that. As as uh, uh, we'll, we'll be talking about this a bit when Trevor and I get to our trade proposals. But uh, it's, getting a salary dump is is something the Sens could be doing. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a bit. I'm definitely a bit more indifferent on this one. But uh, I don't know. Fabro maybe isn't the player I would be targeting either in this scenario. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, at least somewhat thinking about, but I don't think it would happen in reality. Um, let's go for another Tom one here. I think he had like five. Um, he says Jonathan Davidson, Kevin Mandelay's, and a third brackets second for Alex Tuck. So let's say Davidson, Mandelay's, and a second for Tuck. See, I just don't see how that would happen. Honestly, um, I, I mean, Tuck, Tuck's a great player, and it, it, defensively too, he's he's been one one of, yeah, he he's he's an excellent player. So, I mean, get, giving up just a few prospects who don't really possess much value around the league, and, and I, I just don't really see how that happens. I mean, yeah. the, the thing is, is is that Tuck definitely did have a of like a big drop in, in points this year, so maybe his value league wide is definitely down. And capitalizing on that, I think, would be a good idea uh, because he still does have great underlying metrics, especially defensively. So if if that gets it done, then sure, do that in a snap. But uh, I, I just don't see how uh, Vegas tries and do that. I don't see how Vegas tries and to, tries to do that at this point. Right. Yeah, I think he's too important to, to their forward group. It just wouldn't make a ton of sense. Um, I don't know. Would you... Would you do the trade if it was, say, like the Islanders' 20th overall pick or whatever it is? I mean, at that point, we're just treading into the same territory as before, where it's like, it doesn't really matter for the Sens as much. Like, the, that, yeah, that 20th... Yeah, he's 24. Yeah, he's 23 now, and it'll be 20, 24 soon. But at the same time, like, I, I don't know. that 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 The Sens have something going right now. They just have... They need to keep. They need to be keeping those picks. They need to be building around those players that they're going to pick with those picks. And, uh, um, I mean, sure, I, like Tuck is definitely one of the better players we've had to come up in in this uh, episode so far. But, um, yeah, I I just think those 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 picks we can't be undervaluing how important those picks are going to be for the Sens. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll agree for the most part, although I definitely wouldn't be opposed to them using one or two of those picks to acquire a guy who's under 25 and can be part of the team moving forward. Um, just because, I, you know, they're going to need players at some point. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed at all to um, targeting a guy like Tuck who can be in the top nine or maybe a defenseman who can be in the top four as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it would be interesting. And I think I'll, I'll look at one other trade proposal here that kind of I think is very similar to that. And uh, but maybe not for four, but instead of defenseman. And this one is from Rob at uh, Robin Reality. Uh, this one says, uh, this one offers Logan Brown and one of Lassie Thompson or Jacob Renard Docker and the Alice pick for Mikhail Sergachev. Yeah, so that is definitely an interesting one. Hmm. Obviously, Mikhail Sergachev is pretty damn good player. Um, it would be a lot better if he shot on his right side. Unfortunately, he's a left-hand shot. So I think he doesn't fit in as nicely as you would like um, because if they are trading for him, then you sort of have to put maybe Christian Willanen on the right side. Um, and obviously Tampa is going to be in a bit of a cap crunch. So Sergachev is an RFA this summer and they're going to have to pay him a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it'd be worth considering, but that's also a lot if... I'm assuming he means Brown, Thompson, and the 20th overall pick or whatever it is. So that's definitely a steep price to pay for someone who doesn't perfectly fit um, in the decor. Yeah, th this one actually made me scratch my head a little bit too. Mostly because like Sergeyev is still only 21 and that still kind of boggles yeah. my mind because it feels like he's been in the NHL for a while now. I, I mean, this is, is he's already been... Like, yeah, it's, it's been a while since he's been in the... Or he has been in the NHL for three full seasons already, which is kind of wild. Same draft year as uh, Brown. Yeah, so it, it's... Uh, I mean, he, he's he's definitely not in the same realm as Alex Tuck and, and Colin Miller and, and uh, Aaron Ekblad and, and, and the likes. In that, like, he could be a player to build around for the Sens, but at the same time, like... like yeah, it, it just seems like a fair amount to give up. Maybe I have a bit of a sense bias in this one. But uh, um, for, for in terms of like a three for one, I, I just feel like those three pieces are all good. Are those all those all three pieces of the all three of those pieces are going to be important for the Sens. So in terms of getting one back, I feel like uh, maybe value wise is just uh, maybe a bit too much for for Sirkachev. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about, and it would be obviously incredible to get Sirkachev in return. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a chance that Thompson or Bernard Ocker could be just as good in a season or two. So um, that would be a lot to give up. Um, next one, let's see. So this one is a proposal for the St. Louis Blues. Um, this one, It comes in from Den. He says, we need to add a scoring right winger. So my proposal is... So, sorry, it goes, uh, so my proposal, now I have no idea if St. Louis would accept, but here we go. He says, Robert Thomas, and in return, 2020 Islanders first round pick, and Logan Brown. See, I, I feel like this is another case where we're undervaluing, undervaluing Logan Brown's impact. And uh, don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of Robert Thomas, and I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. I, 
Wait, do you think that's yeah. too much for Ottawa to give up? No, sorry. I I, I, I totally forgot. I, I, was, I was getting Robert Thomas mixed up with someone else. But uh, yeah, Robert, okay. Robert Thomas is a very good player. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I retract that at previous intimation. Yeah, Robert <laughs> Thomas would, would, would be a very good player to get back. Um, if Ottawa could somehow acquire him, that would be fantastic. But at the same time, why would the Blues part with Robert Thomas at this point? Exactly. He's kind of a, yeah. a, he's kind of a key piece to them. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from from the Blues' perspective. Maybe the value-wise, it's kind of similar, but they already have a, a proven player in Thomas who is actually a year younger than Brown, um, but he had 42 points in 65 games, and, you know, he's um, still got a year left on his entry-level contract. So that's going to be incredibly important for the Blues. So um, Ottawa would definitely have to give up a lot more in that trade for it to happen, as much as uh, we love Robert Thomas. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, count me as a Robert Thomas fan. Sorry for mixing you up, Robert Thomas, with someone else. But uh, <laughs> all right, this this one comes from Lou. Another Logan Brown trade proposal. This one is uh, to the Car- is to the Carolina Hurricanes. It's uh, 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 Logan Brown plus the Islanders' first round pick, which also seems to be a pretty uh, popular uh, yeah. target trade uh, trade piece here. But in uh, return, the Suns get Brett Pe- Brett Pesci. Am I saying that right, Brett Brett Pesci? Pesci. Pesci. Yeah. So. Any thoughts on this trade? Is it any different than the ones we've been seeing so far? Um, I mean, Pesci is what? He's like 25 now or something? Let's see. He yeah, he's is 25. 25? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Actually turning 26 in November. So, you know, he's right on that cusp of like being worth it or not to, to actually acquire him. But at the same time, I just don't know why Carolina would make that trade. He's incredibly important to their top four. So I don't think Carolina would even entertain an offer like that. I think they would need a proven NHL player as, as good of a prospect as, as Logan Brown is. Um, and then at the same time, I don't know if Pesci was a couple years younger then maybe it'd be worth it to go after him. But um, yeah, it doesn't quite line up for me. Yeah, same here. It's it's all the same reasons I mentioned earlier. It's kind of it kind of feels redundant to me at this point, just uh, with how we've been talking about this. But yeah, it's just a matter of Pesci isn't going to be as important to the Sens in three four years as these pieces are, and uh, like it, it's 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 a common theme where where the Sens are looking for that right shot defenseman, but that's, that's not something that, that's not something they need immediately. That's something that they can build through with the prospects and draft someone or go through guys like Brendan Docker and Thompson and have them be the cornerstones of the, of the team for the, for the next while. And they don't need to trade for someone for that. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, just, just keep, just keep, just keep what they have going. They got the momentum right now. They got the draft picks. They got the prospects. They got the great prospect pool and, uh, and the guys coming up. Um, those are the players that they, sh- they should be building around, not 25, 26, 27 year olds at this point. Yep. For sure. Um, let's go to another St. Louis one. I know your, your answer to this and I'm probably similar. Um, but Damian Smith says uh, David Perron and Alex Steen for two second round picks. Um, don't know. Didn't specify which second round picks. Uh, he says Blues need money to sign Petrangelo. True. And Sens need a top six right winger. Yeah, the, the, these are just not the players the Sens need to be targeting. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's the. I, I'm not sure what else to add from that. Any, any other thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's at that point, it's just taking up too many roster spots from guys who need ice time. I mean, Batherson's going to be pushed down potentially to the fourth line at that point if you've got 
Ryan and uh, Connor Brown and, you know, Perron above him. So it would just, you know, Perron is still a good player and Steen is serviceable, but it seems like odd to give two second round picks for players that aren't going to be important in a couple of years. Yeah. All right. I think we got to, I'm, I'm not sure how many more we have to go, but thank you so much for all sending your trade proposals because we have a lot to go through, but let, let's, we do. Let's, 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 let, let's get a bit spicy here. This one comes from Frank Leclerc on Twitter. Uh, this one's with the Buffalo Sabres. This one is <laughs> spicy and I love it, but I love, I love the spiciness, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it. Okay. I'll say it. It's Logan Brown, Vitaly Abramov, the Islanders first round pick and Ottawa second round pick for Jack freaking Eichel. <laughs> okay. So well, do you want to break that down? <laughs> well, okay. Eichel, obviously one of the best players in the game. Let's see how many years he has on his contract left. He has, I mean, he's obviously still pretty young. He's only 23. His contract expires in 2026. So he's got six years left on his deal. That gives Buffalo a ton of leverage. This does not seem nearly enough for me. Brown and Abramov, obviously good prospects. First and a second, you know, better than nothing. But any trade for Eichel, Buffalo is going to ask for either the second or third overall pick or whatever Ottawa ends up with the lottery. It's going to have to be at least one of those picks. Probably Josh Norris instead of Logan Brown. Um, You know, probably an NHL player in this in there as well and an, a couple other picks it's it would be an insane package and I like the thinking Frank but Buffalo would ask for so much yeah like think about the Eric Carlson package and multiply that by two because Eichel has so much so many years left and on his contract and because he's such a young player too and he's such a like one of the game's young stars right now um it would take probably three times or four times this this package, but 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 if the Sabers, the incompetent franchise that they are, <laughs> say yes to this, I mean take that in a heartbeat. I mean, sc- screw Rogan Brown at this point. I know I defended him quite a bit, but uh, Jack Eichel's Jack Eichel, and uh, yeah, I, I mean uh, yeah, I, I don't see how the Sabers take that, but I, I I like I I like the spiciness. Yeah, definitely. It's it, it's fun to think about. So. I appreciate the uh, appreciate the tweet to us. Um, let's do a couple other big ones, um, and then there was one another one from Alex that wasn't quite a trade proposal, but it was regarding Nikita Zaitsev. So um, I'll go over that one now. So he says not a proposal because I don't know what Ottawa would get for him. But let's say Melnick suddenly became a billionaire tomorrow, and long cheap contracts no longer mattered. If Ottawa were to try and move Zaitsev, do you think A, they'd be able to move him, and B, get anything of value for him? Um, would they be able to move him? Yes, I think so. Which, which I think, just a matter of anybody can be moved in the NHL at this point. I mean, you, you saw the Sens traded for Dion Phaneuf and then traded him away at the same time. So, I mean, any player could be moved. And but is, is it a matter of they're going to get something back for him? Probably not. I mean, that contract is, is just not good, and I feel like the Suns value him more than any other team in the league at this point. So if, if they do get something back for him, it'll probably just, just be, like, uh, another bad contract. So um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's it, it's a bit of a... It, it's a bit of a lost cause right now trying to 
come up with 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 trade pro- trade proposals involving Zaitsev because it just seems so, like it, it, I, I don't I don't see how they get anything of value for him at this point. But if it's, if they can, then I mean, kudos to, to the Sens for trying to get something. Yeah, his contract is definitely not great, so it would be tough. But um, yeah, who knows? That's an option. Um, I wanted to <laughs> okay. In order to answer this, you're gonna have to look at it. So, go to if you have it open. It, it, the I think I have it. I think I have it. The one from Taylor. Yep, got it. Okay, okay. So this one's massive. So listeners, you gotta follow along here. So he says to the sends, Matthew Kachuk, Sam Bennett, a third round pick and a fourth round pick, and to, to the Flames go Lassie Thompson. Connor Brown, Rudolph Spalsers, Philip Schlappick, and Winnipeg's 2023rd. What do you think? Man, <laughs> what a proposal. <laughs> I know. Like, uh, I, 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 I love and hate this at the same time because reuniting the Kachucks would be just pure chaos, and I would love to see that for every game for the next eight years. Um, and... I don't know why I said I hate because I just love all of this. <laughs> like there's, there's a, uh, yeah, Matthew Kachuk would be would by far be the best player in this trade, and and the the Sens giving up all those prospects and young players, I I think, uh, would would be excellent value for Kachuk, especially getting back some picks and young players back too from the Flames. So honestly, I don't see how the Flames would do this because of uh, Kachuk is by far by far the best player in this trade. I mean, he's 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 elite. Like he's really one of the game's best young players right now but uh i mean to see the kashucks together that would be pure chaos and i just if if we could somehow make that happen i would love to see it yeah i think calgary would need another top piece like another first rounder or you know someone <laughs> like your boy logan brown or norris <laughs> or formanton one of those top prospects so um uh, yeah, honestly, I mean, even, even, even then, even then, I think it would take more than that. I feel like it for would sure, be a starting for sure. I feel like a, st- a starting piece would have to be like someone like Thomas Shabbat, even. And at that point, like the sentence are probably going to back away yeah. from that. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't see why they would give up on Kachuk, but man, just imagine if Ottawa had both of them. That would be insane. Yeah, and, and Taylor goes on to explain it here um, in a thread. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You should. You should. Uh, if if you're interested, go go to our thread at uh, at our Twitter account at CP Pointcast and uh, read the thread because he does he does give some good in depth explanation here as to uh, some potential options and some, some switching out and and why this might make sense. But uh, I, I feel like if if the Sens are trying to get someone like Matthew Kachuk, it will take someone like Shabbat and the Flames looking for for a top defenseman like that. So um, as much as I love the idea, I mean it. I, I, I mean, I, I hate to say this is unrealistic because that's not really the whole point of this at this point. If we're going for Matthew Kachuk, just go all in on it. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. thank thank you, th- thank you, Taylor, for blessing our timeline with with this uh, with this wonderfulness. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had to think about it clearly because that's a lot of moving pieces in that deal. Totally. So so kudos yeah. for that. Um, and uh, really appreciate really appreciate everybody sending in need trade proposals and uh, allowing us to talk about this because. Uh, I'm not sure what else we'll talk about at this point, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll go to one more trade trade proposal. I don't know how many more you have on. on uh, yeah, that. I think that, I think that's good. There are some others that we haven't got to, but unfortunately, we're we're running low on time here, and also yeah, some of them overlap. Up. So yeah. 
there's one more I want to get to. This one's from Neil. This is a one-for-one one trade, trading Colin White for Noah Hannafin. I mean, I don't know why Calgary would do that. Um, yeah, it seems like Ottawa would have to include a lot more in that deal. Hannafin's, he's probably not as good as people thought he was going to be, but he's still a solid defenseman, so I'm not sure why that would make too much sense for Calgary. Yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm not too big on Hannafin either as a player. Um, especially he's overpaid now too. Um, I mean, he just hasn't, he hasn't turned into that two-way defenseman that people were thinking he'd turn into. Um, I mean, he just hasn't had the results defensively. And I know Colin White kind of struggled this year, but I haven't given up on him either. And uh, I mean, Hannafin's 23. How old is Colin White now? He, he's probably, they were drafted. The, so they were drafted in the same year too, um, in, this, in mm-hmm. the first round. And uh I know it's kind of weird looking at it uh, five years later to, to think that Colin White might be more value, valuable than Noah Hannafin, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I just don't see how... Uh, um, if I'm the Sens, I don't think I would take that at this point. Oh, really? As For the Sens, you wouldn't take that? Yeah, I'm just not a believer in Hannafin. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think White can be a decent player, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be like a top six forward or anything so um yeah i don't know that's weird that you would think that ottawa would get the short end of the stick and i think the opposite but in fact maybe that means it would be a fair deal i don't know maybe so um but also look at hannafin's contract he has one two three four four years left at nearly five million and to put up the kind of i mean that's white's contract too (laughs) But, but but Hannafin hasn't been good defensively, and White has actually been pretty good defensively if you look at their, their underlying Fair, yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I'm honestly more of a, maybe he's my sense by showing, but maybe I'm kind of more of a believer in, in White at this point to be a, a, a useful player at least than Hannafin, just because I don't see Hannafin as more than uh, at 23 years old now and has how many? He has a few years. He has like one, two, three, four, five. He's five years into his, his NHL career at this point, and he, and he hasn't been able to show. He really hasn't been able to show much as uh, more than a. Uh, I I just don't see Hannafin having having much of a future, and also uh, worth mentioning that Hannafin is a left shot defenseman as well, and the Sens yeah, aren't what looking for that right now. now. So, uh, yeah, um, I just don't think it winds up for the Sens at this point. But maybe, yeah, maybe it is a bit fair now that uh, uh, if, if you think it's if you think it's worth trading for, and uh, I don't, then who knows? Maybe that kind of balances out. Yeah, exactly. Um... Yeah, let's uh let's get to our trade proposals now. Um, you know, like you were saying, Colin, thank you so much to everyone who submitted their proposals. There was a ton, and you know, I wish we could go over every single one, but we'd probably have like an hour and a half show, and I don't don't want it to be quite that long. So, um, but yeah, thanks for your participation. I know it's um kind of boring right now with with uh no sports going on, so. It's a, it's a good way to pass the time, um, but let's get into our proposal. So we each had three. Um, yeah, why don't you go over your first one? All right, sure. So I kind of split mine into three different categories, and this is my first one. I call it the what they should do but probably aren't going to do because of Eugene Melnick trade proposal. And this one is involving a salary dump, and this is acquiring Milan Lucic from the Calgary Flames as well as their 2021 first-round pick, uh, lottery protected. Uh, so this is from the Calgary Flames. And I also want to note that 
in this scenario, I retain 25% of Milan Lucic's contract, so he'll just be under $4 million uh, in the cap hit. And the Suns just give up Mike Rowley as a contract to go the other way. So Lucic with a retained salary and a 2021 protected first-round pick for Mike Riley. How are you going to grade me on this one? I would give that an A, um, especially considering if you hadn't listed this, I was going to almost do the exact same trade because (laughs) a few weeks ago, you know, when things were still normal around here, um, I had done a one of those cap friendly um, mock rosters like armchair GM things for next season. And I included a trade with Lucic and it was Lucic and a first round pick for uh nick paul so sort of a similar depth player return um just because i thought calgary would want a bottom six player in return since they're losing lucic so yeah i think that's a realistic trade and you know obviously calgary wouldn't want to give up that much but i think they would have to lucic still has uh, i think three years left on his deal and getting a first in that deal for ottawa would make it definitely worth it so that would be an amazing trade if it actually happened but like you said they probably won't do it because of melnick yeah i mean that that's that, that's that's basically my thoughts on the trade too i mean it's going to take a lot for the flames to get rid of Lucic, rid of Lucic at this point his value has just it, it's been incredible to see how much his value has plummeted league-wide and to see to see the flames trade Lucic for james neal and, and that kind of blow up in their face like immediately <laughs> so predictable so predictably too i mean it, it's just kind of uh, the, the, i can just see how badly the flames want to get rid of him too at this point just to get just to get his face out of the calgary and, and uh and and to get the fans to not think about that trade as much so um yeah so i think that getting lucic for four million cap it for three years um i mean it's not a matter of getting lucic it's a matter of getting that first round pick and Honestly, I'm a bit surprised we didn't see more trade proposals similar to this one, where the Suns yeah. try and get get a cap dump because this is exactly what they need. This is the plan that I'm talking about. They need to stockpile these picks, stockpile these prospects, and not trade them away for for uh, for established players. This, they, this is what this is their plan going forward, and they need to stick to it. So, um, yeah. So I'm just gonna go over to you. Uh, Want to go with your first trade proposal? Sure. Um, I, I will say one one more thing about the Lucic thing, though, too. I just really hope that, because I can see a scenario where, say, in the 2021 summer, every team is given one compliance buyout um, because of the effects of coronavirus and, um, you know, the cap probably isn't going up next season. And if it does, it's maybe only like a tiny bit. So hopefully teams aren't given a compliance buyout because if they are, Ottawa wouldn't be able to make a trade like that. Um, But... As for my first proposal, so I went to Cap Friendly and searched for certain types of defensemen. So I searched for defensemen who are A, 25 or under, um, a right shot uh, defenseman, and someone who's at least played 20 games this season. So, you know, like an actual NHLer. And there's only 21 of those players. So right shot defensemen are incredibly rare like young ones and almost all of them are defensemen who aren't going to be traded um you know you guys got guys like charlie mcavoy and brandon carlo boston's probably not going to want to move them um there were some other ones that might be a bit underrated but i'm not totally sure how they would 
um, if teams would want to move them. So one of them that I saw was Eric Chernak on Tampa. He's an RFA this summer. Everybody knows they're going to have to trade some some good players because they won't be able to fit everyone under the cap. Um, so I think he's a really good um, sort of DeMello-like replacement who can, I guess, play on the second pairing for Ottawa. So my proposal was I changed it down to just a 2020 second rounder and Christian Yaros. Um, potentially they might ask for more. I'm not totally sure. But I think that would be worth it, considering he's only, I think he's only 21, maybe 22, but he's still really young. So I saw this one in the sheet originally, and you included the Islanders' 20, the 2020 first round pick, and I was prepared to give you an immediate F for this one, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> because for the same reason I gave the other ones, and uh, I, I'm gonna roast you for this one, Trevor. But I mean, Sternak has just not been that good so far, and uh, I know he's 22. And he's still just kind of working his way into the NHL. This is his second season, but he's been a drag on on offenses on on the Lightning and hasn't really had much positive results to to glean for defensively either. So I don't see how he's um, going to be valuable to the Sens, and especially for the same reasons I mentioned earlier that the Sens need to keep these picks and they don't need to be looking for roster players at this point. Um, so giving up a second round pick for someone who I don't see it as very useful. I don't see that at uh, being very valuable. Because you downgraded it to that second round pick, I'm going to give you a D instead. But I also... <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hold back on these. <laughs> I'm sorry. but Oh, for uh, sure. I... But, uh, uh, but uh, I also want to point out, this is just kind of funny as well, that you included Christian Yaros going the other way too, because Cernak and Yaros are actually cousins. So I, I thought that was kind of funny that you uh, just so happened to... to include those two in the same trade proposal but anyways i'll I'll let you i'll let you rebut well for sure i mean i think that is pretty pretty interesting that they're cousins too um i was so i was looking at his uh his stats from this season and last season um this is his uh just his second year and he definitely had better numbers in his rookie season um you know perhaps some of that is propped up by the fact he's playing in tampa bay but a lot of that yeah Sure, but yeah. I, you know, I, I was looking at his—I um, don't even know what this is called—but like skater. I know, I know Bill Como had done this in the past, but I don't think he's running it anymore. Um, it's just like a tableau thing, you know. At least in his rookie season, his expected goals, his Corsi, pretty much everything was well above average. And if you actually compared him to Demello over the past two seasons, it looked pretty damn similar. So I don't know. Um, I will admit that, at least for this season, um, I haven't been able to look at some of the more advanced data like Micah's stuff or Evolving Wild, um, just because I'm, I think I would be looking at those things if I was, uh, if I was writing, but um, I know you have access to, to some more numbers that I don't. So um, at the same time, Considering it is just a second now and Yaros, I really don't think that's much of a price to pay. Um, and I know you love your picks. I do too. But they have so many. And I feel like giving up, you know, I, I, I don't think Yaros is more than like a seventh defenseman who you can call up occasionally. And yeah. the second rounder really isn't that much considering how how expensive most... Um, right shot defensemen are going to be 
Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll I'll give that to you. I, I'm I've definitely been lower on Yaros in the last couple of years now that he hasn't really been able to prove himself in in much of a capacity. Even in Belleville, he hasn't really he he's been nowhere near as good defensively as I expected. But I mean, I don't see how Sarnak is going to provide much more either. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, you, you mentioned a lot of his his numbers on Tampa Bay, but again, that's on Tampa Bay, and a lot of that is being propped up just by being on such a great team and being surrounded by great players. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm just not that firm a believer in Cernak that I feel like it's worth trying to acquire him, even for a second-round pick. I, I know like because of this year's deep draft, that if the Sens can utilize a second-round pick, I feel like that could definitely be of much more important value to them for their rebuild than some, someone like Cernak. So I, I'm still keeping my low mm-hmm. grade for you. Um, shall, shall we move on to my second proposal? Yeah, go for it. All right, so... This one, I think we had we had a, a proposal like this that was kind of similar in the... Um, in uh in the replies on twitter but uh this one i call the boring yet totally worth doing trade proposal and this one involves a lot of hypotheticals but um it involves draft picks and essentially it's ottawa trading their second best draft pick in the 2020 draft so maybe san jose's pick whatever and that ends up being like fifth or sixth or fourth overall or, or whatever and a pick a couple or sorry did i write this down wrong so so the sentence trade that pick for a pick a couple spots later and another good pick. So essentially just trading down that second that second pick. Maybe I didn't explain that well enough, but... Any, any no, no, it makes sense. That? Yep. Yeah, no, I I think that would be very worthwhile doing. Um, it seems like in sort of the three to, I don't know what, nine range or ten range, there's a lot of a lot of similar players. Um, so, yeah, I think if they can, you know, move down from fourth all the way to seventh or eighth and then pick up another late first or a second, I think that'd be totally worth it. Yeah, I, I, that's pretty much my reasoning too, is that anywhere in that top, like, 10 to 12 range, you can get a franchise-altering player. That's just how deep the draft is this year. There are 10 to 12 guys that would go in the top five most years. And so... Um, I feel like most most teams, when they're at the draft, they have their guy and they, they, their guy that they, they want to target, and they're going to get their guy no matter what. And that some teams are going to be willing to pay a really high price for that. So if the, if the Suns can find that team that's willing to pay that price to just move up a couple spots, well, it's similar to the, how the Suns did with uh, with uh, um, with uh, lo- tra- trading it for Logan Brown, I think it was. Yeah, they, they traded it up for Logan Brown. If I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, gave up the but, third round. Yeah, exactly. So if the Sens could even just do that and milk another pick out of that, then that's pretty much how I how I hope that they can run the draft. Because it's also just proven that that it's it's more you're more, you're much more likely to get better value out of trading down than you are going to be from trading up. And that's just because you're going to get that extra pick and, and and especially the value at the top of the draft too. I mean, especially looking at this year, it's just going to be so deep at the top that as long as they stay in that top ten to twelve range, then they're going to be fine. They're going to get a franchise altering player. So. I'd be happy with trading down. We'll, we'll we'll see how the lottery plays out first before all of this, but I feel like it's probably worth trading down in most scenarios here. Yeah, and I, I agree that I think it would be worth it. Although I do think that the only scenario where Dorian is actually going to do that is if he is for some reason going to be packaging a bunch of these picks for, you know, an Ekblad or, or one of these um, high-profile names just because... 
he he sort of made a comment about like oh you know you can't um it, it was something to the effect of like you don't want to have too many picks um so if anything i think in reality they'll probably actually move up like you know if islanders have 19th or 20th maybe they move up to 12th or 13th um although i don't think that would really be the right move unless someone drops really far in the draft so um but yeah at least dorian has tons of different options with all these picks all right yeah sounds good do you want to move on to your next next trade proposal yeah so when i was looking for more players to to trade for um i was trying to look for obviously young young forwards under 25 maybe undervalued and man it is difficult um obviously because teams don't want to be giving up some of these players um one name that i saw on the trade bait list before the deadline though was tyson jost and i don't even necessarily think i would do this trade but i think it's interesting like it's an interesting thought experiment if you traded tyson jost for logan brown because they were taken one spot after each other in the 2016 draft and you know jost has been in the nhl for three seasons although he hasn't been that amazing i mean last year he had 26 points in 70 games this year he had 23 and 67 but this is a guy that you know after their first draft season i would have much rather had jost he had over a point per game at um university of north dakota whereas brown had a lot of injuries in his first season after his draft so I don't know. I think Jost is someone that could definitely use a change of scenery, and he's someone that I think could sort of explode as soon as next season. Um, see, I I would take this trade ten times out of ten for the Sens. Honestly, um, I would take Jost still still as much as I would take take still as much as I would take Jost over Brown at the time of the draft. I'd take him. I would take him e- even more at this point. And I mean, I, I know I've backed up Wogan Brown a lot to, to, at this point in the podcast, but I mean, it, I, I, if you look at Tyson Jost's isolated impact from HockeyViz.com, I mean, he's been probably one of, he's been quite the player on Colorado so far. Plus 13 on offense, minus 12 on defense. Like, he's 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 really, when you say he could break out next year, I mean, I totally agree. He could, I could definitely see him being a top six player at least in the NHL next year, and especially on on Colorado, where he'll be surrounded by great players. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see why Colorado would do this either, because, um, I mean, if they're a contending team. They'd probably want to, if they're trying to trade Jost, I mean, they'd probably go for a proven player who's been putting up a lot of points, and Brown isn't that right now. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I would take this trade for the Sens in a heartbeat. And I, I, you mentioned he was on the trade bait board last year. Was there any reason why? Do you remember? I have because, no idea. But because, like you said, yeah. I can see it It was probably more to do with the fact that Colorado wanted that proven player. So that's why the swap with Brown might not be realistic. Maybe they would. Maybe it could be something like Brown and Tierney or something. I don't know. Even though I don't think that... Yeah, I I just don't see how Colorado would do that unless there's some reason that I'm not aware of right now where they're trying to where they're just not happy with how Jost is doing or something like that. Or I mean, or, they could be. It's know. you know he's played three seasons there. At least his you know regular um, stat card numbers. You know, just he has 72 points in 
208 career games. And for a 10th overall pick, most people probably wouldn't be too happy with that. So I could definitely see them being a bit impatient with him and want to move him for something else. Maybe, but at the same time, I mean, if, if they're smart about it, then uh, they then they hold on to him. But who knows how smart teams are at this point? But for sure, yeah. All right, um, I'm going to move on to my final trade proposal, and this is my uh, um, this is what I'm calling the making a mockery of this whole idea trade proposal because uh, trade proposal Twitter is probably my least favorite part of the internet at this point. After <laughs> talking about this for a whole hour now, and so I just want to go all out, see what can happen. And my trade proposal is with the Edmonton Oilers. So the Suns give up their 2020 first round pick. So their first round pick, like their high one. Um, Alex Formanton, a 2021 second round pick. Uh, Nick Paul and Mark Kastelich. Do you want to guess who they're getting back? What should I guess? I already know. <laughs> oh, of course you already know. It, it's Connor McDavid. It's Connor McDavid. Dude, what, what do you think of this trade proposal? I mean, are are you make are you trying to make a genuine attempt to, um, you know, put enough value on the table? Well, uh, okay, I'll explain myself. But is this <laughs> <laughs> uh, trade going to happen? Zero percent chance. And this is kind of just me, kind of maybe making a little jab at at all the cat friendly trade proposals that we've been seeing <laughs> and that are just totally unrealistic. But. At the same time, if this happens, I mean, Edmonton, it, I, I was looking, I was looking through Cat Friendly, looking at the teams that are near the top of the list, and thinking about which team is the most likely to make a move that's going to completely wreck their franchise. And first thought, Edmonton Oilers. I think everybody kind of thinks Oilers in that kind of sense. And I mean, I don't know. It, it, this is probably not going to happen, but um. McDavid's and McDavid's NMC, his no movement clause doesn't kick in for another few years, and I don't know if the Suns give up this trade package and Edmonton's somehow looking to get rid of him. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, include the Sharks pick, include Josh Norris, include Christian Willannon, and then maybe, but even then, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it, yeah. This is basically my my kind of yeah I don't yeah know. I mean you, you'll see a lot of offers like that where it's just pie in the sky it's never gonna happen um, but, but man if it did but if it did now, yeah, what if it did yeah now now that I'm thinking about it though imagine what the trade proposals for Carlson would have looked like before 2018 because there would have been a lot of stuff like this yeah and I don't know. If Wayne Gretzky can get can get traded, <laughs> oh, don't even say that. Um, okay, <laughs> last, last one for me. Yeah, last one. Sorry, what? It's your last one. All right. Yeah, it's been a long episode, but okay, <laughs> last one for me. So similar process to what I did with um, Tyson Jost. I was just looking for some young players. Um, I think. Ryan Donato was also on the trade bait list. I'm not sure why, though. Um, I believe he has one year left on his contract, only $1.9 million. Um, and yeah, I just said Donato for a second and a fourth. I don't know if that's enough. Um, I feel like you wouldn't want to be giving up those picks, but I would totally be willing. Um, I feel like he's a somewhat underrated player, and um, yeah, you could put him on, on the left side where there's 
not a ton of competition, at least in terms of actual NHL players. So, yeah, I think Ottawa could be a good spot for him. Yeah, uh, definitely an underrated player. Um, I mean, he, uh, I keep referring to Isolated Impact from Mike McCurdy. Definitely subscribe to him on, on uh, HockeyViz.com. But, uh, yeah, definitely an underrated player. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if the Sens could... Uh, again, I, I definitely like my picks, and giving up a second-round pick in a fourth is not something I would try to do. But, I mean, if, if the Sens can get low value for Donato, then sure, why not? But at the same time, would I do it in this in this time for the Sens? Probably not, but, I mean... I, I I like the thought of targeting Donato. It's a, good, it's a good trade target. I'll give you that. Yeah. I mean, he's only, I think, 24. Yeah, he's almost 24. So, yeah, still young. Yeah, but at the same time, this kind of falls into the same category of trades I've discussed a whole bunch already this episode, which is like, th- these picks, I feel like, are still going to be what the sense should be trying to hold on to and trying to stockpile instead of roster players at this point. The, the, the roster is not going to matter much next year. Maybe... Look for at the these most part, but I mean, they also have so many picks. Like, if they were giving up, you know, all of their seconds and their late first, I would agree. But I don't think there's anything wrong with giving up one or two middle round picks. Sure, but at the same time, I mean, like, it, it's a matter of of trying to go all out in this one direction, and that's what's going to really get them to the top of the league. In in the end, is is really just going all in on this one direction, not. Not going halfway on anything, just going full on um, rebuild and not trying to accelerate things, and that that's kind of been my whole mindset going into this whole whole uh, process, at least. But I, I mean, yeah, at the same time, I definitely feel like Donato is a player that is is definitely one of the better ones we, we we've we've brought up in this episode. So um, I'd be less akin to rejecting it um, than some of the others, but uh, still, I mean. I, 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 I love the picks. I, I'm, I'm going all in on the draft. This oh, year. I know you do. I know yeah. you do. Um, just before we wrap up, I want to do... We don't have to talk about it, but uh, I just want to mention one last trade proposal that was sent in from at Daddy on Twitter. He says, <laughs> Logan Brown, Brian Lee, and a 2023 <laughs> fourth round pick for Alex Barkov. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just got to leave the episode on that. Yeah, we'll end there. As I wrap it up, a reminder that you can find the Cost Per Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you really enjoy it, you can please rate and review it on those platforms as well. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CutmoreCollin and read articles at Silver7Cents. And for Trevor, you can follow him on Twitter at ShaqTS. And for the podcast, you can follow us there at CP Pointcast, where you can submit questions for future episodes. Uh, you'll get notifications early for when things drop. And uh, yeah, for questions like today on the trade episode, we'll be posting about it there. Stay safe out there. Uh, that's all for today, folks. Adios.